0: Begin our podcast. We're good. Okay. This morning we welcome you to our podcast, and our title for this message is When Jesus Walks Into the Room. A subtitle that we won't put on social media is Feet First, and you'll get that in a while. I want to read to you from Luke 7, verse 36, a familiar passage to some. Then one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with them, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, she stood and knelt at his feet, behind him weeping and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head and she kissed his feet and anointed him with the fragrant oil and all of a sudden the pharisees had a trouble can i get an amen they had a problem with that but dropping down to verse 44 jesus responds do you see this woman i entered your house you gave me no water for my feet But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she has loved much. But to whom much is forgiven, the same loves a lot. To those who are forgiven little, they love little. And Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven reading from Isaiah 52 and 6 look this is our God someone say our God we have waited on and he has saved us this is the Lord let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation anybody excited about the salvation of Jesus that he's bringing to your family your home your job your children your grandchildren give him a big shout of praise Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we welcome your Holy Spirit. Sir, do what only you can do. Whisper into the ears of those listening, even what I do not say. Come, Holy Spirit. Without you, I'm nothing but with you. Something great can happen this morning. Let us hear the word and let us leave changed. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Jesus sometimes talks to me about you often, and as lead pastor, I'm thankful that he does. My heart is very tender towards you. Intercessors pray for you. Your leaders pray for you. But during the week, I see your faces, usually where you sit, and I pray over your day. You are precious to me and highly valuable. And many are the tears. I say that not for any accolade to myself. But I want to say this when Jesus says to me, these sermon lines that you've got going, which means I have several in the queue. I want to put this one in here because I want to tell my people how valuable they are to me. I want to tell them how their sacrifice, their faith, and their love for me is beyond calculation. If you're thankful for Jesus, lift your hand and say thank you, Jesus. And this morning, this message is from him. Though I will preach along lines that will minister to your hearts, I pray at the end of the day you will hear how valuable your life and your sacrifice is. So let's open up with something funny. The ability to assign value is one of the rarest and most precious gifts in the world. A man wanders into an antique shop in San Francisco. It's cluttered with knickknacks, junk on the floor. He noticed what looks like an ancient Chinese vase. Close inspection, he sees it's a priceless relic from the Ming Dynasty of China, whose worth is beyond calculation and is greater than all the things in the store work together. The only owner clearly had no idea how much it was worth because his cat is drinking out of it. So the man signifies or begins to think how he can clearly strategize to get this Ming Dynasty vase. So he says to the owner, that's an extraordinary cat you have there. How much will you sell it for? Oh, she She's not for sale. She's worth this. I'll give you $100 for that cat. He, said, he laughed and said, you can take her. Go ahead, take her for 100 He goes, well, just a minute. I think I need something for her to drink out of. How about I throw $10 in for that saucer she's drinking out of? He said, oh, I can never do that. That saucer is actually an ancient Chinese vase from the Ming Dynasty of China. It is my prized possession worth beyond anything in this store. But funny thing. Since I've had it, I've sold 17 cats. There you go. (laughs) Your neighbor will explain it to you later. (laughs) A table has been set today. A table has been prepared in Luke 7. A beautiful table. With a guest in mind, the guest of honor. His name is Jesus, Yeshua, to those people. The table has been prepared, and just as this table has been prepared... Behind me, there's two miracles sitting at the table. On the back side, there is Simon the leper. This story is told in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In seminary, you take a class called the Synoptic of the Gospels. And they show you how each one tells a story. And through all their stories, you get the full picture. So from reading this story in every gospel, you get the full picture. Someone say amen. And Simon the leper is sitting at the table that's been prepared. But when Jesus walks in the room, he changes everything. This is Simon who was whole and healed. This is Simon who was a leper. In that day, if you had leprosy, you were an outcast. You had to yell unclean. You could not buy things in the village. You could not sit among the people. You could not see your family. You dwelt in a terrible, terrible situation with other lepers, and you had to beg for someone to throw coins into your isolated place. This reminds me of you and I. In the early days of harvest, when I was the worship leader, hallelujah, we used to sing a song from Christ for the Nations by Kevin Jonas, the Jonas brothers' daddy. Come on, somebody. I was a stranger till you came I was a foreigner till you came but now I come boldly but now I enter in and now I call you Abba father and I draw near anyone thankful that once you were a leopard in the world's eyes but now you call him Abba father let him hear a praise this morning May we never forget that I was blind, but now I see. I was an atheist, but now I know Christ. I was an addict till he came. I was despondent till he came. I was overwhelmed till Jesus sat at my table. I was broken till he came. I was afraid till he came. I was lost till he came. I was helpless till he came to me. And now I come boldly. Now I enter in. Now I say, Abba, Father, I draw near. Someone wave a hand and say, thank you, Jesus, this morning. The other guest at the table is Lazarus, Simon the leper, formerly the leopard. And Lazarus, the man that was dead. He went from being dead to come to dinner. Come on, somebody. He's sitting at dinner. And this is what's so interesting about this. I have to watch because Matt has a cue at the end. And I said, I'd only walk down here once. So, Matt, if you're listening, I'm not doing that right now. But the courtyard in this time when you ate outside was open. So you're the courtyard and you're watching this dinner. And the people in the courtyard get get invited to the dinner, but they're watching the dinner from the distance. This matters a lot as we travel through this message. And they're watching and they know this is Lazarus who was dead and now he's alive. I imagine they're watching. Is he putting food in his mouth? He just swallowed that food, biscuit Sally. He's eating. He's now laughing with Jesus he's now telling stories i'd love to have heard the conversation he was dead and now he's alive and he's invited to the king's table is anybody in the room ever was dead in your sins and now you are alive and you are sitting at the king's table somebody give jesus a praise in this house this morning and there sat lazarus there he was and i'm sure people were watching him seeing what he did And seeing what happened in the courtyard of your life, if it were, if I may propose this to you this morning, people are watching you like you're watching me. You see, the fact is people watch watching that day. The Pharisees wished Lazarus wasn't alive. Because they wanted to control Jesus. In fact, scripture says that after he called Lazarus from the dead, the Pharisees then said, We've had enough. We are taking him out. Because the religious scare are scared of what they cannot control. The religious, and sometimes in your life, the people watching you in the courtyard, they like the old you better than the new you. They liked you when you were a complainer. So you'd nick and necky at the work cooler. Come on. But now you're just a worshiper. <laughs> They liked you when you were troubled, but now you're triumphant and you're quoting the promises of God. They liked you when you were bitter, better than now. You're gracious because you won't come in line with their bitterness. And now you just exude graciousness. You see, people like what they can predict. And often the enemy wants people to look at you and they don't want to see you out of your mess because they want to stay in the mess you just got out of. I'm going to parade some people across this stage that are in different parts of the United States sometime this year and let them boldly tell you the mess they came out of and how people didn't want them to come out of the mess. But there is one who always wants to bring us out of the mess, and his name is Jesus. Can you say amen? Amen. Lazarus is a testimony to the divine nature of Jesus. You see, it was showing that not only can Jesus turn the tide, but he can turn the tide inside me. He can separate my doubt from my uncertainty when I don't know which way to go. You see, he not only brings the light out of darkness, but he brings light into my mind, my soul, and emotions and fills me with his light, and he does you. You see, Paul said we were dead in our sins, but we were made alive in Christ. So do not fear, brothers and sisters, precious children of the Most High God. When you go into Walmart... (laughs) When you go into a restaurant, when you go into a workplace and you see someone from your past, do not be discouraged. Do not be freaked out when your kids say, who's that? Oh, that's just somebody daddy used to know a long time ago. It's all good. You see, they're merely looking at you different like the courtyard is looking at Lazarus saying, is Michael Cook really alive Is he really full of the Lord? I have traveled into the different areas of this city with Hope House girls many times and we would run up on their dealers. They were always so good. Pastor, pastor, they would hit my leg. Pastor, pastor. And I knew a dealer had just stepped near them. And I just grabbed their hand. And one of them, whose name is not mentioned, walked up to her dealer. Dear God, I was standing right behind her shaking in my boots. But she said, I want to tell you. And I thought, here we go. She's going to preach. I want to tell you that I don't use anymore. And if you've got any of that stuff in your pocket, I want to pronounce to you, this is my pastor. And that's my Jesus. And you are not welcomed in my life. Anymore. Come on, somebody. I love that. I love that. He made us alive. As Pastor Hank used to love to quote the song, Don't look for me to be in the places I used to be there has been a change in me. I am not perfect, you're not perfect, Lazarus was not perfect, but Lazarus was alive and they're watching him from the courtyard. You see, what people are seeing in your life, they could see in Lazarus and they see in your life, in the courtyard of your life, the places you do business, the places that you work, they see the contrary winds that used to knock you down, Now you just say, hey, come on, wind. I'll just raise my sail and I'll get there faster. Can I get an amen? You see, they say, oh, there's somebody that what used to knock them down doesn't knock them down anymore. What we're seeing is what used to take them out doesn't take them out anymore. What used to make them run doesn't make them run anymore. That is evidence like Lazarus at Simon to the courtyard of the people in your life that Jesus has changed who you are come on somebody you don't have to get a milk crate and stand in the middle of walmart and preach repent you bunch of foul scoundrels you don't have to at work go waving a flag through the place and say jesus coming jesus coming live like there is a god who is resident within his people and life shall be changed can you give him a praise this morning look at your neighbor and say everything changes when jesus walks in the room and jesus is on full display at this table set for him this portrait in scripture is so powerful and so poignant and so beautiful it's painted in a way that you can't overlook what's happening in the setting to get our attention you see in the old testament jesus is walking into the room sitting at the table then the old testament exodus 20 when god spoke to israelite the israel people before jesus is coming He would thunder in the mountains, and his lightning would shake the trees. And they would say, oh, don't speak to us. Just speak to Moses. We are so scared of you. We don't know what to do. Just speak to Moses, and Moses can talk to us because there was a problem. When Moses came down off the mountain, and his face shone with such radiance from being in the presence of God, the people said, oh, Don't look at us, Moses. It says even his brother was scared of him. And so Moses put a veil over his face. But that was a fading glory. God didn't have a problem. God allowed a problem to come so he could show a greater glory. And I want to submit to you this morning that the problems in your life, the things you cannot resolve, the situations you were unsure of, God uses those to show greater glory. Don't give up sons and daughters of God. Believe that the one who turns the tide will turn the tide in you. Give him a shout of praise this morning. Look at your neighbor and say, when Jesus walks into the room. God's, uh, this problem began to continue, Devin, as there was a the great prophets Elijah and Elisha, which I'll preach on some in this fall. But they were powerful, but they would appear and scream and then they'd run off. They'd outrun chariots. They were a little Frightening. But God said, I will show myself to my people. And so the Message Bible says it so beautifully and so in modern vernacular. i must share it with you today. John 1 and 14 in the Message Bible says, the Word became flesh. Everyone say flesh and blood, and he moved into our neighborhood. Look at someone and say, he moved into our neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory like Father, like Son. Because Paul goes on to write, Jesus was the exact imprint of God the Father. Generous inside and out, true from start to finish. Someone say, thank you, God, for Jesus. Come on, thank you, God, for Jesus. So when that baby was born into Bethlehem, he was not guarded by soldiers. He was guarded by the points of heaven. When that baby had to be swaddled, he entered into the world as a human. He humbled himself. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 that he grew up as a tender shoot from a dry ground. Now what does that mean to you and I? I don't know if you've ever walked by where there's concrete and nothing should be able to grow and all of a sudden sprouting up from the middle of the concrete will be this little shoot and you're like, how did you do it buddy? How did you do it? How did you break forth where you weren't supposed to break forth? Jesus Jesus was that tender shoot, for in a time of great horror and negativity in the land of Israel, he broke through from dry ground, and he came as the root of Jesse, the son of the almighty God, and I've got some good news for you today he is still breaking forth in dry ground that which looks impossible that which looks inconceivable the king still breaks through give him a praise in this house today and he came walking out of the wilderness this god in flesh who moved into our neighborhood jesus walks in the room he changes everything he came out of that wilderness after standing off lucifer himself He came out of that wilderness as he stood in triumphant Praise to the Lord and his life, and he moved into the neighborhood and he looked like us. He walked like us. He was God in flesh and blood, part God and part man. And when he did, he uncovered, if it were, he made visible if it were. He displayed, if it were, the very image of God Almighty. So when he stopped the widow at Nain's baby and raised it up, he showed that Jesus was merciful. When he healed the he showed that Jesus was kind when he stopped the stoning of the woman caught in adultery he dispelled all the rumors about a God who was not merciful and he himself said I am that I am and he was clothed in flesh and his name is Jesus Yeshua HaMashiach the anointed son of the living God somebody give him a shout of praise in this house And all of a sudden, God made it visible. So he wasn't a distant God who spoke with thunders and lightnings. He wasn't a God that we couldn't understand. But he became a faithful one that we would find someone who would identify us. And in this open courtyard of this dinner party people are watching and it was customary as it said in our opening text for a kiss on the hand of a rabbi. It was customary to wash their feet or to put oil on their feet because they traveled in such dirt. It was customary. But he was a renowned teacher even if they didn't recognize him as the son of God. He was a renowned rabbi who was drawing tons of people and international from different tribes of people were coming him but there was no greeting the only way to modernize this lack of etiquette the only way to bring this to where you and I live you are invited to someone's house they make a big deal about you coming for dinner it's a big deal they're going to put on a meal for you and when you get there the doors cracked open so you go on in they're all sitting in their lazy boys come on somebody their TV is blaring they never look at you they never acknowledge you they never nod at you they never make eye contact someone say how rude how rude a deliberate insult and the courtyard is watching the courtyard is watching follow me follow me follow me and they're whispering if he's really the rabbi Why are they not honoring him? If he really is who he says he is, no one has given him the kiss on the hand. No one has washed his feet. No one has given him the oil. But I want to tell you this morning, God had a plan. There was a woman in the courtyard who said, here I am, send me, send me. I want to tell you today, God has a plan to bring honor to your life. You may feel in some respects that you don't receive the honor that you should. First of all, scripture says in 541, seek the the honor that comes from God alone and not from man. I want you to say it with me. Seek the honor that comes from God and not from man. And why not man, Sherry? Because they're fickle, they're two-faced. They will crown you today and crucify you tomorrow. you be the best thing since sliced bread today and tomorrow you're a crust on the floor. There's always people that will be for you. But if you and I look for our honor from man, we got to be feet first at Jesus' feet to say, I seek the honor that comes from above. But I've got good news. God has a way of noticing you. God has a way of blessing you. God has a way of lifting you up in honor. God knows what you're going through. God knows what this week will involve. And God said they are precious and honored in my sight. Maybe your boss does not give you the honor. Maybe your co workers do not give you the praise. Maybe your family has not said thank you for you washing one million loads in your lifetime of clothes. Come on. Maybe your children have not said thank you. Maybe your spouse, maybe your employees, maybe your fellow employees have not honored you. But there is an honor that comes from the Lord alone, and that. That honor will cause you to sleep at night. That honor will cause you to rise up in strength tomorrow. That honor will change who you are. That honor will keep you on your feet. So if the world turns against you, Jesus is for you. Can you give him praise this morning? Come on, give him a big shout of praise. So everybody is feasting. Everybody, Simon's at the table. Lazarus is at the table. She takes a physical physical posture, but we're going to take an internal posture. You see, we don't know what she'd gone through. We do know the synoptic of the gospel says that she was a prostitute. We don't know why people land where they are in their life. Please don't judge. Until you hear someone's story, until you walk with someone, you don't know. We don't know the rejection that she experienced. We don't know that all the doors that were locked to her. And only Jesus unlocked the door. You see, he came for her pain. Most believe that she had heard him speak that day and she heard the sound of a man who said, you are loved. You are accepted and you are forgiven. I make all things new. The world is looking for a church. The world is looking for a people that will say, here I am, Lord, send me. And I will say to the hurting, you are loved, you are accepted, and you are forgiven. Can I get an amen in this house? And she pushes through. What does she push through? Don't miss this. She pushes through the Pharisees. She pushes through the gawkers. She pushes through the prognosticators and the spin doctors. That means people that say, this is what's going to happen to them. Yeah. If that didn't take them out in 87, this is going to take them out now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They can't get over this one. Desperate courage she comes. For you to do the work of the Lord, you have got to walk through the muddy dirt of others' opinions. For you to say, here I am, send me, you will walk through the couch potatoes. You know what those are? You know, it's 11 men that sat in the boat and said, well, if Peter had only gotten out on the left side, something great would have happened. If he hadn't have done this, something great. My daddy used to say, don't listen to the people sitting in the boat. If you got out of the boat and started walking, don't you listen to anybody but Jesus. Can I get an amen? Because people think they're the idle judges. I'll give her a three on that word she gave this morning. I would have given her a 10, but that bright pink with that turquoise was just a little bit get past out this morning, I tell you, we become self-appointed judges. And if that's not bad enough, Joel, we bully ourselves. And you have to walk through your own gawkers in your mind, the own judges. But she comes with desperate courage. I present to you this morning, Church of the Harvest, as we transition into another fabulous season of this church. What if you did what you could and said, here I am, send me? She did what she could where she was. What if I did what I could and I said, here I am, send me? What if we did what we could and said, here we are, send us? What could the Lord do among us? Would you lift a hand and say, I'm willing, King Jesus. I'm willing. I'm, I'm, I'm on purpose staying at a wide a pace. It's a little calmer this morning. I don't want you to miss what Jesus is saying. You're precious to Him. Your oil is precious. Don't overlook this. She had to walk through the Pharisees, she walked through the opinions that say you're too old, you're too young, the naysayers. If you're waiting this morning, for a majority vote to get you to do the will of God you will never do the will of God because if they vote you in they can vote you out today they'll make you feel so special You'll like who's she talking about she's been got some haters on her no I really don't I live in a land of peace right now thank you King Jesus glory to your holy name but if you're waiting for a majority vote it will not come you've got the vote of the father the son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. They say they've assigned you where you are today to make a difference. Don't wait for a majority vote. Wait for the Lord and say, Here I am. Send me. You will have people that cheer for you. We were discussing about Skylar entered school this week and they were all outside and they do this every year but they were screaming and she looked at her mom and she goes, I ain't gonna like this. I ain't gonna like this. She got out and walked quickly, and we were talking about, Pastor Hank loved people cheering for him. We all went to a place, Trace Diaz, and people cheered. He loved it. He's like, cheer some more. When not they going to cheer in the morning? I hope they cheer tonight. I hope they stand in the hallways and cheer me on. I was like, just get me through this, Jesus. But in essence, the truth of the matter is, we're all different, but the truth of the matter is, you have a heavenly witness team that is cheering you on you have a church community that is cheering you on god will give you people in your life above you beneath you beside you when no one is there they will cheer you on but if they don't you keep on walking anyway somebody give jesus praise give him a big shout of praise She anointed Jesus, we'll get to that in a moment, to prepare His mission for the cross. Ours is to bring what He did at the cross to others. When you walk through some things, hold your head up high. Many have walked out of the courtyard into the place of God through Scripture. They have walked through naysayers, gawkers. They've fought against their own minds. We know this from the complexity, the perplexity of when, they, when, they, when Elijah says, I want to die. And, and so many of the great prophets said, I don't want to live anymore. I don't want to do this because they felt alone. You are never alone. King Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. Get feet first with him and stop seeking the honor of others. To all of us, I declare that. Can you say amen? Our mission is to take what he did to others. Hold your head up high. Walk through when Pastor Barbara finished her education, Pastor Hank used to play it back in the day. He said, hold your head up high. He'd always play this song. It's a rock song. Don't, don't throw cast stones. You have never listened to a secular song. You just, you know, be at peace. Look at your neighbor say, be at peace. And he would play it, and she, when she finished a great education, she goes, I just wish Pastor would not play that song for me. And I understood what she was saying, because sometimes we don't want to be seen. But Christ still says, hold your head up high. Others have come before you, and they've walked through things that you were walking through. Nehemiah had to walk through all kind of critics all kind of government, let's don't even go there, all kind of bad government, all kind of horrific government, let's don't even go there. He had to walk through it, but the will of the Lord was accomplished because he kept walking. Can I get an amen? America is too young to die, and I'll say there is a remnant that's rising to pray for justice. Moses had to walk through the disappointment of his people. They loved him. They hated him. They loved him. They hated him. Deborah the great prophetess had to walk out of the courtyard into the will of the Lord amidst those who said things against her. How do you know? Read her testimony. I love to read people's praise songs in Scripture because if they didn't say it in their testimony, they're going to say like, yep, here we go. And she sings a song, and she calls out half the tribes of Israel. And she said, you set at the fire. You binged watch TV. You didn't help me. You did this, and you did that. You should have helped us in this victory, but you didn't. And then she pauses and recognizes the value of the tribes that showed up to fight the enemies of God. I'm going to tell you you these people did not have everyone cheering but they did it give the Lord a hand clap of praise the apostle Paul said a wide door has opened for me and many are the adversaries I love what Eugene Peterson says in the message Bible again in Hebrews 12 track with me for a moment would you do you see what this all means this is your resolve this is your feet first all these pioneers who blaze the way all these veterans cheering us on it means we better get on with it look at your name and say get on with it Strip yourself of everything that holds you down and keep running. No extra parasitical sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished the work and the race where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Jesus. Someone say Jesus. The cross, the shame, and now he's there at the place of honor, at the right hand of God. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, you go revisit that story line by line, item by item. He plowed through all these things, and he made it to the cross, and he's at the right hand of God. And the message says that will shoot adrenaline into your soul. Someone give Jesus praise. You want to revisit your resolve, your why. It is that revisit that why, that resolve. And here is, she sees Lazarus. She sees Simon. This one I want to say to you the Lord gave me earlier this morning. She wasn't obsessed with the miracles of Jesus. She was obsessed with him. Sometimes we get too fascinated with the miracles instead of the miracle worker. Sometimes we get too obsessed like a laser light on the promises of God instead of the one who makes the promise. Instead of the one who says you are loved, accepted, and forgiven. And she breaks open her oil and she does something powerful. It's like in my dramatic mind. And since I'm speaking, you have to deal with that. I apologize. But I see she says, yeah, there's Simon. That's great. There's Lazarus. But this is the one that changed my life. And she goes feet first. Feet first in many dialects means jump in with all your feet. But here it means something different. We all love when you're in a race and they say, on your. And we love to go, don't we? Go with me, Jesus. Go, go, go. I want to go, 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 go. When I'm raising ministers across the world, don't worry about in this house that they're well seasoned, those that I'm helping. But I always say, don't be obsessed in ministry. Be obsessed with Jesus. Don't keep looking for some place to share this or do this or do that. Get obsessed with Jesus because he will remain. But you see, on your mark, you come down here. You come down. Before you can go, you have to come feet first to on your mark. Get set and then go. That's why it's important to take an internal posture of feet first. At your feet, Jesus doesn't mean, what does that mean, Pastor Ron? Do I have to lay out every morning for an hour? It means internally saying to him, I put you first. I'm going to do everything for the kingdom this way. Everything is possible when you start your day, feet first. Can I get an amen? Everything. There's a fresh anointing at feet first. There's a resolve at feet first. There's the answer to why at Feet First. This week, I helped a wonderful woman of God make some decisions about a job. And we'd gone back and forth about a week. It was incredible. I don't want to say who it is. It's an incredible job. I mean, incredible. And the people that were pursuing her were relentless. I mean, the honors she felt. And we went back and forth. We prayed. We talked. And we finally had a conversation the other day. And I just let her talk a while. We were on the phone. And all of a sudden, she said, well, I i just think and she just starts talking that i could make more of a kingdom difference if i'm here if i stay here i can do this or that and out of my mouth was just coming to sense but she said i think i just answered my own question and i screamed i said that's exactly what i was fixing to say Feet first means kingdom of Jesus is first. It doesn't matter what the pay is. It doesn't matter where I'm at. It's where he's called me to. Can you give Jesus a hand clap of praise? Josh, if you would come help me. I'm not quite dumb, but if you would come help me. Listen, she had stopped looking into other people's eyes a long time ago because what she saw was scorn. There's something so beautiful about a homeless person looking in my eyes or your eyes and not seeing disdain and disgust. There's something so beautiful about someone carrying a load and not seeing in our eyes repulsiveness. One of my ministry friends shared something this week I thought was so apropos. He said, it's such a strange and unbelievable method of evangelism to despise the very people we're trying to bring to Jesus. If my posts are full of despising a certain group of people, if my words, if I get caught by a homeless person, which I did this week, didn't think I had any money, but I had 20, it was a woman. I'd seen her hanging where I was. I knew she hanged there a lot. I knew her story. And the Holy Spirit says, you have a 20 in your wallet. I said, yes, I do. And I gave it to her. Then I ministered to her for a moment. The world needs to see us looking at them. Those coming out of bondage, those that are poor in spirit today, Those are in a situation they never wanted to be in. We are the kingdom that changes the atmosphere when we walk in. Can I get an amen? And the Bible says that the house, when she broke the oil open, was filled with the fragrance of the oil. That's all anybody could smell. I wonder, I wonder. 2 Corinthians 2 and 15 says, We are the fragrance of Jesus Christ to God and to the world I wonder when we are in the workplace on Monday, what scent we give off of love, acceptance and forgiveness. I wonder how we give off that feeling, that atmosphere, that ambiance of Jesus is here. I don't, I'm like Pastor Hank, I don't preach Jesus in my first two syllables. I preach goodness and mercy. I tell things that God has done for me. I just keep, I make a connecting point with people. I just talk to them and somewhere near the end, like Mike Sterminator said, I didn't even know he was a preacher. He said he'd be talking about Ted Nugent, then he'd be talking about fishing, then he'd be talking about hunting, then he knew about sports, and then he knew about this. And then at the last he would throw out this hook. And I'm thinking, what just happened here? That's what we have to be. People that the world can look in our eyes and see there's something different about them. I don't have to wave a banner above me. Jesus is coming, you little rednecks. I don't have to say that to the world. All I've got to do is be Jesus with skin on. I've got to show mercy and love. And then when they want to know, where that came from I'll say it came from the one who changed my life let your fragrance fill the room give him a praise in this house I love this and here's the most interesting thing about that conversation I got 10 minutes I'm good Jesus and sometimes I like to act this out but Jesus is looking at the woman because the Pharisees start talking He keeps looking at the woman, but he's talking to the Pharisees. It's an irresistible impulse if you're in a conversation. If you're up here talking to me after church and I'm just looking over there. Well, I mean, if I glance over there, it's not a big deal, but if I'm just staring over there, eventually you're going to stare over there. It's a human instinct to look at what someone is looking at if they're talking to you. And what King Jesus says is, I want you to see her. Her value is beyond calculation. I want you to see this woman. He answers Simon and says this woman has been forgiven much but the whole time he's looking at the woman so Simon has to look at the woman too. I just believe that God is calling this church body to say I want to be the one that looks at the ones that the world does not value. I want to look at the ones that the world does not. It doesn't matter if they're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if they live in a house. I was stopped by two women at Dillard's this week who were fascinated with my shoes and when I looked up it wasn't these shoes they weren't great shoes but anyway when I looked up I, I said, oh, I got him at Becky's. She goes, oh, you're Rhonda Davis. I said, yes, ma'am. I mean, these two, I was like, oh, okay, what's this about? You know what I mean? We watch you all the time on Daystar. And Joni Table Talk, and they start talking. And then we stay there for an hour, and I just love One of them had been healed of fourth stage lung cancer. Give Jesus praise. And looked fantastic. But I loved as we begin to share, as we begin. To talk about the Lord. And she said, We really are just biting at the bullet. They were just, one was 85 and she was as cute as Christmas. And the other one, Patsy, that had been healed up, she was beautiful too. And they're like, We're just, we're just holding ourselves back from coming and sitting on you. I said, Don't hold yourself back anymore. You just come. But what I loved is that we put value upon people's lives. This church is a church that puts value upon people's lives, that looks at them in a way that says, I see the value. Queen for a day is one of the biggest ways, our feeding the homeless, that we put value. Jesus values your costly gifts, your oil. Listen to me as I track this. Precious, he calls you, which means costly, highly valuable. When you push through in spite of your pain, Jesus values your oil. When you continued in spite of your personal disappointment, Jesus put value upon your oil. You released the fragrance of Christ. When your tears were many and you couldn't get up at night off of your pillow, Jesus counted them in a bottle. He put value upon it. When you were weak but you were determined and you got back up, he put value upon the cost of your oil. When you had a loss, it took your breath away yet you stood back up. He puts value upon your oil and your sacrifice. When you had a health crisis that terrified you, But you said, I will continue to praise. He put value upon your oil. And the things we can't even speak about this morning, the things we can't even talk about, we all have them. They're just too dear. They're too precious. They're too terrifying. They're too troubling to even bring them into an open courtyard. But he puts value. He knew the value of your oil when you left Madisonville to come to Cleveland. He knew the value. He knew the value of your oil, Michael. When you heard from God in North Carolina that you were to come to Church of the Harvest. He knows the value of your oil, Tina, Bethany. He knows the value of your oil, Pastor Todd. He knows the value of your oil, Gail, Marissa, Brother Gerald, and Peggy. Love you. He puts value upon your praise. Debbie, he puts value upon your tears. Christiane. you and the Platera to come west coast to east coast. He put value on what it cost you. He put value upon it. He puts value upon the things that you have made decisions to do and to be. Susan, he puts value on the oil that you give for Queen for Day. Sometimes these hands I'm holding hurt more than you could ever imagine. These legs and the amount of weight she loses which she doesn't need to during Queen for Day the jewelry that she works on all year long, the space in her mind it takes up. Jesus puts value, Susan, upon your oil. He sees you, he puts high honor above it. The world will never know, I will never even know, but he puts great value for you. Feel the place with the aroma, even when sometimes you're weak and you wonder how and the mind is weighed down with the perplexity of the pieces but you continue, he puts value upon your oil. Someone just lift your hand and tell Jesus that you love him. He puts value. Keith Austin, he puts value. Josh, he puts value upon your oil this morning. He says to you, you are precious. Your praise is costly. Your faith has caught my attention, says King Jesus. I have seen what it has cost you. You see, the thing about it is, when Jesus walks into the room, he changes everything. Jesus comes to sit at the table with us. King Jesus comes to sit, as he did, with the woman that was the prostitute. He sits down. You see, this is a table with King Jesus that is set for your healing. This table is set for your sorrows, for your suffering. You have the profound affection of the master who is represented by Matthew today. He sees the cost. He knows. He knows. It's a beautiful scripture in Revelation 21 that says, One day when we stand before him, he will wipe all the tears from our eyes. He will dry them and there will be no more death or mourning. I love this heart-rendering gesture of the Most High God bending down to wipe mankind's tears from a fallen world. I love that, but I also believe that He does that here on earth. I love that He reaches down in the most tender ways and He dries our tears. Can you lift your hands and say, Thank you, Jesus. Just tell Him just for a moment. Just say, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, right there where you are. Thank you, King Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I love it in that revelation. He says, for the former things are passed away. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me this morning. And he said he has a word for this house, for individuals. The former things are passed away, says the Lord. Healing is coming to minds and hearts. Healing has come. Because when he sits at the table, he values our trials. He values our losses. He values our suffering. You see, our scars have authority here in the earth. I've been healed of my wounds, but the eternity sees the scars. on my heart and my life of things I've endured in you, but I'm up here. And heaven says, that's my girl. She's got authority because of what she has endured and come through. You have the authority of Jesus because of the scars of that which you have survived, that which you have walked through, and that which you have overcome. Can you give Jesus a praise this morning? Come on, let him hear it. Let him hear it. The former things are passed away. Sometimes. I sit at the table with Jesus on the greenway. I remember some of my battles and my losses. Sometimes the tears won't stop. Oh, and sometimes I just say, King Jesus. King Jesus, that was scary. The questions I have, I'm speaking for you and I this morning. The questions I have that have not been answered, that's troubling, King Jesus. Oh, but I love you. I love you. The trials and things. Jesus, sometimes they're intense. But I love that one day this will happen. But today I demonstrate this to you as a visual that hopefully you will not forget. And I say, my scars, King Jesus. And then he says, let me show you my scars. Let me caress your scars. Let me tell you that you are honored and precious to me is what the Lord says to you today. You shouldn't have survived, but you did. But you did not survive to merely get through life. You survived to thrive in the name of Jesus. You survived to thrive. Someone give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And then we say, Brother Keith, my El Shaddai, (laughs) my All-Sufficient One, my Rapha, my Healer, my Rohai, my Shepherd, my Senkanu, my Salvation, my Alpha and Omega. The first and the last. His name is Jesus. When he walks into the room, he puts value upon your life, not just what you've gone through, but he puts value upon your place of employment. He puts value upon your sacrifices. He puts value upon your family. He puts value upon your workplace. This is the Savior that we've been waiting for. Can you give him a shout of praise in this house? Come on. Stand up over this building if you will and just give him the best praise just give him the best praise <laughs> hallelujah oh you're valuable to him praise and worship team come watch me hallelujah praise you Jesus hallelujah I feel his tenderness towards you oh King Jesus I feel his tenderness towards you uh, one of my favorite songs that's done in uh, call and response has a choir you'll have to look it up is he worthy so powerful and the lyrics spell out where I feel that we're to close this morning before we come and worship do you feel the world is broken we do do you feel the shadows deepen we do but do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through say we do Do we wish that we could see it all made new? We do. So it is good that we remind ourselves of this. And just listen. Is anyone worthy? He is. Is anyone able? He is. Is anyone whole? He is. Does anyone have the answers to the world's dilemma? He does. Is anyone able, as they say in the book of Revelation, to understand the end times and to give answers in seasons when we don't have them? He is. Someone say he's worthy. He is the Lion of Judah who conquered the grave. He was David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. Is he worthy? He is. Is he worthy? He is of all blessing and glory and honor he is is he worthy he is he is worthy give him a praise this morning come on I'm done just give him a praise hallelujah 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 He is worthy. He is worthy, praise you, King Jesus. With every eye closed this morning,